Hi everyone and welcome back to Straight Up, the UK music and culture podcast hosted by me, Kathleen Johnston, and my bestie and fellow journalist, Eleanor Hawks. This is our first episode of 2021, so we just wanted to wish everyone tuning in a very happy new year and say, if nothing else, well, at least we have made it out of 2020. Surely things can only go up from here, starting with today's wonderful episode which is actually another songwriter special this time with none other than jimmy napes the grammy and oscar winning collaborator to sam smith taylor swift stormzy ellie golding dave and clean bandit yep so while jimmy has credits with a huge range of massive artists from madonna to khalid it really is his work with sam that's the most famous the pair met when sam was 19 and together they broke through with disclosure on the massive hit latch it was inescapable i'm sure you all remember it vividly uh they are still best of friends and regular writing partners which jimmy tells us all about in fantastic detail including what it was actually like writing a bond theme tune together and just how excruciatingly secretive the whole process is there's even a high security locked script included and as well as sharing some of his favorite memories from writing with taylor swift and dave jimmy opened up about his career lows and how he got through them including a very serious story about getting so stoned with skrillex at the grammys that he had to leave we also get deep into one of the biggest talking points in the music industry right now which is the way that spotify treats musicians We really hope that you love this episode, which was made all the more fun for the three of us, thanks to the very large old fashions from Bar Swift that we drank alongside. Uh, As ever, please do rate, review and subscribe to Straight Up if you enjoy, because it makes such a huge difference for us as a new podcast and will help other people find us. Our music and editing is by Marlon Percy, who is on Instagram at Marlon Percy. And if you want to drop us a message about future guests or just any random thoughts, because we'd love to hear them, then we're on hello at straightuppodcast.co.uk. Let's jump straight into our chat with Jimmy. How is the old fashioned Jimmy? Is it because you specified Woodford Reserve? We did get you the exact right cocktail. Thank you. I can taste very delicious. I'm very grateful. It tastes excellent. Good. Well, let's jump in and start talking a little bit about you and your career, just to put you on the spot. Sure. We actually thought, since this episode is going live in the midst of the festive period, then maybe it would make sense to start by asking you a little bit about your Christmas song from last year, written with Taylor Swift, The Christmas Tree Farm. Tell us a little bit about the session. Did you guys record it here in London? Was it done remotely? We actually made it in this room here that I'm in now, um, which is my little studio in London Fields that I've been renting. And it was so much fun. It was like, I'd never made a Christmas song before anyway. (laughs) And Taylor was very much like, I I was in a pub in Kentish Town and I'd, I I definitely had like a good few glasses of wine and she hit me up and just said, Jimmy, I'm in London. I've got a Christmas song. Like, are you down to help me put it together? And like, cause I I want it to come out like before Christmas. And it was like, we were already in December and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm down. Like, she's like, cool. Like, can we go tonight? Like, can we go tomorrow? She's just so like on, on the, you know, and I was like, well, I was thinking I'm I've, I'm pretty pissed right this second. So maybe we'll go like tomorrow. And she was like, great, tomorrow, you tell me the time. She came in and uh, we just like worked it out. And, and um, 
we we'd, we'd met each other before and hung out before so it didn't feel strange or anything like that it was really, how did you guys meet uh we worked on another project which actually never it didn't actually end up coming to fruition but it was all it was almost a blessing because um it meant we got to do this together and she um was just such a pleasure so it's the ultimate professional and um it was it was so much fun she was just like look i just want you to to know i just want to check that we're going to go full sleigh bells from the off and this is my my intentions are clear we are going out and out christmas and i was like all right let's go so we just started with sleigh bells and just built the whole thing up and it was actually a lot of fun and it we did because we did it so quickly it was kind of a challenge in a way as well to just like call on all the resources and things and great musicians and people that I have such you know have these these relationships with and just like call in every favor to just be like can you can you do it like now and everyone's like yeah okay cool and we, we managed to turn the whole thing around and you, you know you're a very very respected songwriter and but she is also you know really like lauded for her songwriting in particular which I think she takes a lot of pride uh, pride with what would you say was something you learned maybe from Taylor or that you re that really struck you about the way she she wrote her songs it's a really good question I would say that she is very certain and clear about her songwriting you know it's a real pleasure to to work with someone like that that really has a true belief in their own ability and knows what they want to achieve um you know, she's very, very confident songwriter. She's deserves to be. She's incredible and she's got the track record to, to show for it. Um so yeah, it was kind of fun for someone that, that tends to write a lot of the songs that I work on, you know, it's very much a case of she's she's like, I've got the song. Like, will you just help me get it together? I was like, I'll I'll do whatever you want. Let's go. <laughs> Let's so get sleigh that, bells. What what does that entail then? Like, cause, you know, I think demystifying the songwriting process when you're working with someone like Taylor, when you, as you say, that she's writing the song essentially. What is your role exactly? How do you fit into that? So I'm the producer, you know, I'm the producer of the record. And basically, the song is written already and it's beautiful. And I'm now going to say, okay, if I'm producing this, this is what I would do. I'd bring the drums in here. I would, you know, I'd bring the strings in here and just help to kind of color it. You know, I think about like, you know, it's kind of like painting the picture, you know, you've kind of, you've got a sketch of it and it's there, but you want to, you want to like color it. So it's finished piece of art. That's kind of the producing. Love that. Sam Smith is your longtime collaborator, kind of partner in crime. You guys came up together and you broke into the industry when Sam was 19, working at a pub in the city. You met through mutual friends tell us a little bit about your first impressions basically um well we had a mutual friend and he sent me a recording that sam had done and it was just like into the laptop kind of microphone nothing fancy just to hear their voice and sent it to me and i didn't believe that it was a real person you know that was my memory of it I thought it was like an angel you know I didn't I'd never I'd never heard that sound before so that was yeah. just like I did I was more like just kind of 
I don't know. I was mesmerized by the voice and I just said, What were they singing? Do you remember what it was? It was yeah, I do. Yeah, it was a song they'd written by themselves called Little Sailor. And it you know, it never made it onto um the, the first record, but it was something that we played out when we did some of our early performances in pubs and stuff and we only had like one or two songs to play we would be little sailor lay me down and latch they were our would three you songs always be on keys <laughs> yeah so yeah. i played piano awesome. and sam would sing and i remember some of the early gigs where it was like um there was be literally three people in the pub <laughs> and <laughs> it would be i'm playing keys sam singing and like three girls like at the back of the pub and it's <laughs> And basically, I those three girls, like I definitely saw at least one or two of them shed a tear during the performance, and they were just like that is as oh, wow. you know you could you could even feel in those small rooms the amount the effect that Sam had you know and that the emotion that they convey with their voice is is a powerful thing. So, so um, which which pubs were you playing in at this time? Was it local to you? We were traveling anywhere that would have us, really. I remember going to Balham. We played one in Balham. That was the was one it the I'm Bedford? Thinking. That's like the, the Bedford, standard place. Bedford, exactly. Some yeah. of those early gigs where, you know, they, they'll they let you get up there and, and, and sing and play. Like place where Ed Sheeran did his first gig. Thank you. Is it? Yeah. I remember also, like, because this, this whole chapter, like, no one knew what was going to happen. And we we went for a sound check and there was no one there at one of these pubs and then i came back we went to the pub a different pub and we i got quite pissed i was probably we drank about three or four pints and then came back and the place was ram there was like 500 <laughs> people there yeah and i was like oh shoot like i hope i, I can remember yeah I've, I've definitely called this wrong i thought this was a complete waste up <laughs> and now it's a full i was like okay come on jim get yourself together um but it was that was yeah i wouldn't do that again in a hurry anyway yeah well talking of you misjudging situation i was gonna save this for later but i thought you've just naturally led me onto this tell us about the time that you got so high at the grammys shoot that's public thriller. knowledge huh this is something this is <laughs> yeah. a story that is out there this uh, story yeah and you yeah you whited oh. at the grammys <laughs> that's a true that's true that happened to me and it was really <laughs> ho horrific but talking about friendship i'll never forget the one thing that stands out for that is like i didn't it was again at the beginning of sam becoming the superstar that they are but it was like i didn't realize what was happening i thought we were going to be like in a little seat at the back of the arena and like be able to watch the grammy just so <laughs> excited to be there and it turns out that like everyone wants to know sam and be next to sam and i'm sat with sam and we're at the front row like next to lady gaga and like Katy perry you know and i'm like and i've i've hit this pipe you know and it's not going well for me i'm like I'm starting to wig out and it was it was already a very surreal situation to be in so yeah. um needless to say basically i needed to i needed I, I had to cut it short that particular grammys and um yeah but the thing that i remember sam i was like i gotta get out of here because i've seen three beyonce's you know it was like it wasn't <laughs> it was it was not it was not a good i was not in a good place um and then basically 
we got to the perimeter of the place in the staple center and the like bouncer was like look you guys like you can't come past this point if you leave you can't come back in and it was the first time we'd ever been to the grammys it was like and sam didn't care he came with me out to just like to help me oh really help. they weren't annoyed they were just like they wanted me to be all right and i was like i'll never forget that it's got got me in a cab and i got to i went to the hotel literally passed out on my bed like i watched i remember watching the grammys from the tv <laughs> in my room just still like no, trying oh we should be there still trying to come back down to earth you know it was yeah so i but learned you my lesson up your awards at this point no 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 so this was thank goodness this was before that the year, year. Prior. this yeah. was the year before <laughs> oh my so god thank god can you this imagine was, this was my recce year where i was like okay yeah. i need to grow up <laughs> i need to grow, grow up real quick um and then yeah next year i was i was much more considerate and you were um, ready yeah i was ready i was ready Wait, so what? So how did you, Skrillex giving you that pipe come about? Uh, we 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 were in the like a, that little dressing room bit, and we'd been waiting for the disclosure awards because I think we were, latch probably might maybe was that was an award that they, that would have been that year would have lined up, and um, basically we were in this like dressing room bit, and this guy had I think it was Skrillex's like tour manager or something, and Skrillex was there, and he was like, "Yo, Jimmy, do you want to hit the?" hit this pipe you know and i was like come on bruv like i'm i'm from london i hit the pipe like i know i've i know how to, i know how to smoke weed you know what i mean and um i just kept hitting it but but like it was a it didn't have any smoke there was no smoke it was a vape yeah but i didn't at this time i was like oh it's not working i just kept no smoke little oh, did you know like, and then on like the 10th toke the guy was like yo jim yo take it easy on that that's really heavy and i was like i was out gone oh see you later God. yeah 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 bad times bad times it was real hot it was real hot well at least it was that year and not the following yeah exactly and also i feel like correct me if i'm wrong as i have obviously not been and you are the person here that has but Grammy's a bit more acceptable to be in that state than at the Oscars. I think it's right? a pretty, it's a funny story, you know. It's like, if anything, I'm really happy I got a second chance. <laughs> <laughs> I think if it had been my, if that had been my only experience, I think I would never live it down. Just like, what was I doing? But thankfully, I got a second bite of the cherry. They they invited me back. What so was that, that was like? Good. So so tell us what like the euphoria and the like following hours after you picked up. I think you got two Grammys, right? Um, I, th I, yeah, I think three, three or four. But who's counting? No, <laughs> oh, four, oh God, sorry. I, I just know. did a quick check. I God, no, no. LA. Yeah, I mean, come on, do your no joking. Um, uh, no, it was amazing. <laughs> it was, it was incredible. Yeah, I just couldn't. You can't believe these things. But the funniest thing about it is that um, I got an, a, I got a certificate telling me i'm a grammy winning drummer and i honest i'm one of the i'm one of the worst drummers in the universe but i played drums on stay with me just to like get a kick like boom, the, like just like literally like the simplest drum beat you'll ever hear in your life and um yeah apparently that counts so that's oh, kind of i'm no. really quite proud of that that's oh hilarious God, <laughs> well you've spoken a lot obviously as well about how when you first broke through latch was playing everywhere but as is the way with music, everything takes a while, the money takes a while to come through. Sam was still working, like scrubbing toilets in the city. I know you were wedding DJing for 
a certain period of time. When did it actually sink in that you were like on this path to mega success and that there was no going back to those old day jobs? Do you know what? There was one one cool moment um, where I was with all my friends and we were in we were in like Kilburn or somewhere in like a in a bar and it was the weekend and they played latch like at the peak of the night and I would just it wasn't even that I knew that I could make it in music or anything but it was just so surreal I was just like to have all my friends like jumping around Dancing and yeah, yeah knowing like it was just the coolest feeling like they everyone just like being so happy for me and I think they knew how hard I'd worked to tr- to get to that moment so it, you know it was it was cool to get to share it all together yeah, because you'd put your 10,000 hours in at that point, right? You'd been songwriting a long time. You'd had your first cut on Eliza Doolittle's album, but then you'd kind of had another three years of just grinding. You, you guys do your homework, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, basically, it's funny because I was working with a young songwriter today named Connor Albert, and uh, it was the first time we worked together, but he's just turned 21, and he's so talented and, like we kind of connected just on Instagram and I love what he'd been working on and we wrote a song today and it was really cool. And I think it just talking to him and he was asking me some of these questions and just like, it reminded me about the graft of like, you have to just really believe in yourself and never give up. And there are moments when I, re- I've, I felt like I should give up or like people around me were telling me to give up. And I think the people that really just in those moments dig dig even deeper and double down you know that's that's a really important thing to to do if if you if you really feel like it's your purpose then to just keep going and um and and wait for that break you know that break because you know i was gonna say how difficult was that emotionally after having you felt you thought you'd got your break getting that cut on the allies studio album and then you had three years of basically from what yeah, you said exactly. before, like dead time. Definitely. That, that so, must be so hard. Yeah, so it's kind of, but that is this, it's the same principle. It's like, just because you get one thing doesn't mean you've, you've made it. You know, that's a quick lesson to learn. It's like, I thought I had, because I was so naive. I was like, I've got a cut now, so this is my job. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that money ran out in like no time whatsoever. So like, let me see if I can what you know but i'm not gonna just give up and do something else because i i just can't i have to do this and i think you never had a plan b no i don't think it's worth it you know obviously it's fine to say that now and i'm very fortunate and i've worked side jobs to be able to afford the freedom to write the moments that i wasn't wedding djing or whatever and um i think that you know but that it's just important to just really just keep going keep it so simple isn't it if you really keep going then you give yourself the best chance so I was just gonna say that like when you met Sam um like you say everything kind of you'd been looking for the right voice to express the emotion in the writing that you'd been doing do you think that is one of those like secret source chemistry like magic meetings of minds whereby both of you needed the other one and maybe you wouldn't have like found your place within the broader industry if you hadn't had that chance meeting I, in the first place. I think so, you know, I like to think so because we still are such good friends and we still, you know, we wrote a song on Friday and it was one of my favorite things we've ever done. So it's just like continuing to um, to just do this and and it still feel like 
you know the first time essentially it's just it's that's a really special partnership to answer your question about the the voice is like it's just obviously one of mm. the greatest voices you know i'd ever, ever heard at the time thousand percent ever and still is so it's like to be able to have that voice expressing you know the music that you're writing together is like it's it's a it's like a joke you know it's like yeah. <laughs> you know people people say like oh you know it's it can be a little bit of a trick because sam can sing the phone book and it sound make it sound amazing so you have to really like question you know is this a good song you have to ask yourself at every stage of the process you know or am i just really excited because sam's singing it and actually you could be you know maybe if it was if you the test is to sing it yourself and you trust me when you hear my voice you go okay it's not as good as you thought it was <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is a very quick ad break just so that we can tell you all about our incredible sponsor, Swift. They are the award-winning bar in London, which was originally just in Soho. Now, though, they have a sister site in Shoreditch, which they opened in July 2020. They must be one of the main success stories of what's been, as everyone knows, the most hideous year for hospitality, which I think is testament to just how brilliant they really are. The Swift team are responsible also for the next level ultra delicious old fashions that we're drinking with Jimmy in this episode. So full disclosure, when we found out that Jimmy's favorite drink was an old fashioned, I immediately thought of Swift as the Soho site is where I drank my best ever old fashioned when I first reviewed the bar for GQ. I remember having a peanut butter one and it blew my mind. The bar itself is split over two floors with a kind of bright and casual ground floor and then a darker vibe basement with lots of whiskey based cocktails on the menu. I always make sure to book the downstairs and sit at the bar so I can watch the bartenders whisk everything up. Yeah, you've got to see them make the famous Irish coffee as well it's legendary uh swift actually made it into the 50 best bars in the world roundup this year a super prestigious list uh before lockdown i went to the shoreditch one too and honestly it's just as good they do this like amazing very decent value spritz menu and also these really great brunch dishes i had these savory waffles with smoked salmon the elf you would 100 love so you should definitely definitely check them out oh my god yes i will put that on my post pandemic bucket list so like lots of london's best bars Swift started delivering bottled cocktails during lockdown with the launch of Swift Speakeasy at home. The old-fashioned pouches we drank are available to buy here from just £15 and trust me when I say they are every bit as good as that first one I had inside the bar. It's made with Jimmy's favourite whiskey, Woodford Reserve, and they use a distiller's select for its depth and complexity as it has over 200 flavour notes. So you know that uh, I would usually order a lighter cocktail but this old-fashioned was just so smooth, so amazing and actually very, very lethal. We were all feeling a little bit tipsy by the end of our recording, if we're <laughs> completely honest. Um, they do have loads of other cocktails too, though, including a lemon drop, a lychee Collins. So make sure you go and check out www.speakeasyathome.co.uk slash Swift. That's speakeasyathome.co.uk slash Swift. Uh, get involved there. Thank you so, so much to Bar Swift. And as ever, please guys do drink responsibly. And the pair of you wrote lots of songs on their new album together as well. I wanted to ask a little bit about that. You've said in the past that, you know, you've always, there's never a period where the two of you aren't writing together. As you say, you wrote a song last week. Um, has that just been a continuous thing over the last years? And what was it like doing this new album, which was kind of 
poppier and there are songs on there like the one you wrote with Burner Boy too. It must have been quite a different experience doing that than the previous records. Definitely. The Burner Boy record was one of the last things we did. We were at Sam's house. We wrote it at their house and, um, you know, it was really fun. It's one of the, like, we got to um, just do, it was like a, I guess, Burner Boy was not, he wasn't there. He was in, um, I think, in like Lagos or somewhere. And we sent them music and he'd recorded his verse and sent it back. And so it's kind of this cool, like, exciting um, collaboration, but just like uh, from 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 a distance. To like see what he was going to come up with. He must have been super excited as well because obviously yeah. he you know to work with you guys must have been yeah well the funny the thing is it's a quite a, it's it's not an obvious collaboration but i think like no that's why i love it yeah we we we're big fans of his work but, but um sam was definitely like well let's just ask i like let's just see <laughs> and um so i think we reached out to him and like lo and behold he's like in the lonely hours like one of his favorite records and he's got it on vinyl oh. and it like it became this mutual oh. mutual respect and um yeah it was just it was super cool it was a really yeah it was, it was a... so t talk to us about this you've recorded you wrote something with sam last week is this are you guys working on a an, another album so soon after the last well, yeah, I mean, it's more of the case of like, we're never not writing, you know, I think that's the thing. I wouldn't want to say what it's for, um, you know, I think it's, I feel like songwriting is like, it's almost like exercising a muscle, you know, it's like going to the gym. You don't want to, you don't want to like, just not go. You want to stay fit and you want to maintain, um, you know, Burt Bacharach's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. And in his autobiography, he talks about, being at the height of his career and deciding that he's going to take six months break to go and play tennis and he goes to Palm Springs and he just works on his backhand and just like he's living his best life but the thing that you learn in the autobiography is that at the end of the six months he's like his tennis is great or much improved and then he's like right okay I'm bored of tennis now I'm just going to write another song he goes back to the piano and he can't he can't do it he, he's he tries to write and and it takes him like i can't remember the exact time but it's like a much longer many many years after that moment of just basically switching off because it's something that it's like it's you know it is a it's it's you have to practice you know to be good at anything you have to practice doesn't matter what it is and who you are you have to keep doing those things so that you know when that moment comes you've got you know what you you want to do and you're at the top of your game so that was a so cool for, lesson. So every, for every song that yourself and Sam have written and that has um, been a huge success or even just something that you've released, because let's face it, they're all going to be very successful. How many songs do you bin for every single one released? That's a good question. Do you know what? On this, on the last record, not that many. I'd say that actually our success rate was maybe the highest it's ever been in terms of days in the room to songs on a record, which is cool. It doesn't always go like that. But on the whole, a lot of the songs get binned. And it goes back to the, it goes back to that same thing of the phone book, you know, and just like, uh, you know, we, we even on the day might be jumping up and down like, I, I love this. And then, you know, people in the team or, you know, just be like, it's the worst thing I've ever heard. So it doesn't that. work for us. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Oh God, that always think though. It's like such resilience of spirit for like creatives to be able to like keep getting up and going and doing it because like when you first get knocked. Yeah, well, do you know what? Half the half of the bat. Half the battle is showing up. Like it sounds so simple, but like having the courage to fail, you know, no one's gonna do the, do have a great day every day, you know, but is, there's a certain amount of bravery in just sitting down at the piano and trying, right? You and Sam obviously, you know, you're, you're such good mates as well as professional colleagues. So like a lot of your songs, I assume, isn't just you penciling time in the studio. I guess sometimes it must just happen organically maybe you guys are just chilling out I don't know like is there a memory that really stands out for you in terms of a song being born out of something quite unusual or unlikely or not not you just going to the studio with Sam because you have it booked in nine to five no yeah. exactly it's a really good point like it never really works out like that there's always something like <laughs> I mean, I've got how much time have we got? There's like, there's, there's we one. Got time. <laughs> there was. The, <laughs> um, it's funny. There was one writing trip that we went to Ireland, and it was the coolest thing because we both just wanted to like get away and just try something different. And we went to Donegal, and we went to this pub in the middle of nowhere. I'd never been to Ireland before, so it was just like the coolest thing ever. And um, we stayed in the pub drinking. We were supposed to be writing the, we'd been writing that day and we were supposed to be writing the next day. And we were just off on one, you know, and the pints kept coming, <laughs> kept coming, kept coming. And I kept thinking, I kept I kept thinking that we you know in London or it, in the UK in England even you get chucked out don't you at a certain time someone comes and yeah, like right do. come on you've had enough out you get and I was just waiting for that moment and never came and it's like <laughs> like and and at one point the landlord came over to sit with me I was like okay fine we're getting chucked out now because it's crazy o'clock and we we're here it's just a table full of empty pint glasses <laughs> and he came he brought more he brought more beer I was oh like my oh my god oh my gosh so anyway that that night they just they they just stay up with you drinking until you call it a night you know which is dangerous which is but also very funny we had the best time such a laugh and then the next day just cr absolutely awfully hung over as you'd expect and didn't even want to go to the studio and then but we did and i almost you know it's like one of those ones where you feel like you're going to be sick and like i was just like you oh, almost cancelled this is the work like why what are we even doing here we've come all this way and i just like all i'm going to do is <laughs> <laughs> pissed away yeah literally and um <laughs> and we ended up writing a song called midnight train that day and it was like on on the thrill of all record and i i just love that record and sam's performance on it is so raw and emotive and is the voice almost cracks in the recording because he's hung over and it but but honestly yeah it's crazy but there is a theme to this i've actually got a theory and it's probably not good for my drinking but i do think that when you have when you are hung over there's certain parts of your mind that are the more subconscious elements come through interesting less it's less i love this theory you're always more emotional like if i watch something and i'm hung over i'm like so much more likely to be bawling yeah it's so, it's less it's yeah. less it's less calculated it's less aware and le mm. so there's there there it's is like simple there is something about you know and you don't have to get to that part of your mind from drinking there's other ways to access it but there's something about feeling a little bit spaced out and <laughs> and basically having thoughts you know like sometimes if you have a dream in the middle of the night you know and you wake sometimes i get yeah. that and i wake up and i write something down because i'm like 
I know I'm going to forget it in the morning, but that was a really like out there idea. Like I'm not, I would never think that if I was fully conscious. It's kind of, I think it's yeah, that. Yeah, that's a very good point. I've literally always been like the last like three years, I've been like, I will put a, na- a note, like a pen and some notepaper by bed so that if I wake up with any of these like great ideas or weird thoughts or when you can't sleep, you can jot everything down. It's there in the morning. Haven't done it. And still, so to this day, I'm like, fuck, what was that really, really genius thing that I thought about last night just before I was falling asleep? Keep the pad and paper. I don't even have any genius thoughts before I go to sleep or during the night. Keep the pad and paper there. It will come. And if it does, you're ready. And also, I've got I've got a theory to just keep your sanity because obviously that could drive that can drive you crazy if you're like I've had. If it's that good, you remember it. Like if it's that good, you have enough in it to to write it down. At least I tell myself that. So like the ideas that escape. So can we talk a little bit about your Oscar for writings on the wall? Tell us about how a bit a very big deal. Tell us about how that comes about. Like Eon Productions. Did they get in touch with Sam and did Sam then ask you to write it with them? Like, dis- discuss how that happened. You know what? I still can't believe that this happened in real life, but it actually <laughs> it actually did. And it's so crazy. Basically, um, yes. So I was in Venice with um, my wife, Matilda. And like, I don't know if you've ever been to Venice, but there's this really cool thing where you get like a little speedboat that drops you from the airport to your hotel. Yes, it's, I have. I've yeah, had that. it's Never like been to Venice. It's it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, and they're like these beautiful. You feel like you're in a in a film. You feel like you're in a Bond film, and right? they do that for everyone. I don't... As in, like, if you go to Venice, you get a speedboat. But it's from not the airport. It, well, you don't, that... there are other ways to get there, but and it's a little bit more expensive. But that's like the speedy water taxi. It's, it's a speedy water taxi, yeah, and it's yeah. the but and it, it's the coolest thing ever. It's like it's you've just, got to do it if you're yeah, going. Yeah, it's just it was it was just a beautiful memory, and we'd been to Venice, and I, we had such an amazing time. I'd never been there before, and then when we were on the way back from the hotel to the airport, we were on one of these little boats, and I got a call from my manager saying that the the that Barbara Broccoli had been in touch and she wanted us to have a go at the re- writing the James Bond theme, yeah? And I was like, nah, this is not real life. Like, <laughs> this is not, there's no way this is a this is actually happening to me. And because it's- I'm definitely imagining this. It's some kind of delusion. Yeah, it was just everyone's dream. I, well, it's definitely my dream to be like, to be able to get to do that one day. And- um, Wow, so you'd thought about it before. I think as a Brit, there is no higher honor. Don't, you know what? Than being I'm not, involved in a Bond film. Not only had I thought about it, I'd written the song already. Like I'd written. <gasps> what? Ri- not not the not the um not the, li- the not the lyrics and the melody, but I had the chords. I knew because I would like I just sit at the piano all the time playing like whatever You're spills like, out. If of me. I was gonna do a Bond song, 100%. it would be like this. A hundred percent. That is so cool. hundred percent. Oh wow! And so I was playing those like minor ninth like that that whole thing with the little. I, I, I remember playing them and thinking, oh, you know what? Imagine though, that would be sick in a Bond film, yeah? <laughs> and then- Imagine. We got this call and then um, at that time- Was it from Barbara Broccoli? Who, who does So I didn't speak to Barbara at that time. Um, like my, my team spoke to their team and it was all, you know, there's, there's levels and layers to this which unravel themselves, <laughs> but- like basically we got a sh- that that was the point where we we got offered the chance to to have a shot at it but we weren't so the, 
So people pitch. Interesting. We, got, we were pitched. So we knew like we've been told that like there was other people like Lana Del Rey and uh, and Radiohead and like all of these amazing artists where you just don't even feel like you should be mentioned in the same breath. And like all of Is a it fight to the death? Like who has the best song wins? 100%. Or? Yeah, literally. It's, you, everyone just sends their song and then you just kind of wait to hear. And unbelievably, um, Sam Mendes called us and said, can you come to Pinewood Studios? And we like, I, we drove to Pinewood Studios and we talked to him and he's just like, I love the song, it's perfect for the film. And I was just like, I can't believe this shit. I don't honestly. Wait, so you didn't know anything about the film? You just wrote it kind of on spec? No, we knew, just, we knew, like... we, we, we knew the film. We knew that we knew after that initial so this call. So Spectre. It was Spectre. And after the initial call, they send you um, a script which is like got a timer on it, <gasps> which is like, if you ever show anyone- Blows up after will, an hour, it'll be like- Yeah, it has like, you will blow up and you will just be assassinated. Sued for the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> so, we're, so we like- I can't believe they send you the script. Yeah, and then- cause, Yeah, because you have to get a sense of the story to have the music no, reflect know, but like, the narrative. Exactly, yeah, so it's all very like, top secret I just can't believe they don't let you I would have thought that they would have brought you into a room and let you read the script like under supervision the way they even make journalists listen to new albums these days like they don't even send us the preview screen with it's like that it's like that it's not like you feel like oh my it's it's like you know that um there's that, that if you ever even like like recount recounted one moment then you'll just be shot in the head yeah it's like that <laughs> could you even tell your wife anything about it or did you have to be like top secret project i'm sorry i can't say um no i like she knew because like i can't like how, you can't not say to your oh, yeah. own wife how am i gonna like, contain i can't contain my excitement yeah and you know yeah it was it was um it was just an absolute privilege to be a part of and it was like ridiculous to even what was the highlight of the whole experience like not i know obviously bond has this incredibly ardent like unparalleled fan base but was it the fan reaction or was it actually the production process that was the coolest for you guys i, I mean there was a whole load of moments but i'd say there were two that stick out immediately three actually first one when we wrote the song like very quickly and we recorded it and Sam sang it all in one take, and that is the version that you hear. The whole, the whole song the, is one take. The whole song's one take that we wow. th that we recorded the like twenty minutes after we wrote the song. You know, so that must be some kind of a, like a record. It was for a, the music. Yeah, industry. it was like we were like, oh, let's get insane. down, let's get down the sketch demo and um, and and see where we take it. And then in the end, we end, we put all the strings and the beautiful score that Simon Hale, who's the orchestrator. Uh, I did with us and basically to get that was the other moment to get to Ab Abbey Road and listen to that get recorded in like such a legendary place for such an amazing piece of history it was like dreams 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 come true and then obviously the fact that we ended up winning an Oscar was a complete joke what was going to the Oscars like you obviously went to the swanky Vanity Fair party. You'd been well versed in your celebrity events at this point. So I'm assuming you kind of knew. 
Well, I was going to say maybe not enough because the other thing I read, Jimmy, was that you what have I done now? bought your own hip flask. You bought your hip flask <laughs> for the Oscars. That was my wife, you know. I'm gonna Didn't th- you learn anything from I think the that's Grammys? a very sensible choice at an American event. Where I, I, I was so going to be limited. Booze. I was so what do you think? I was so nervous because I was performing <laughs> on the night with Sam. Fair enough. So, so I was like, I wasn't drinking, but my wife was like, swig. She just couldn't believe it. She was, li- <laughs> she was living her best life. She had the hottest ticket. What was in the hip flask? Whiskey. And Whiskey. we were sat like, when you go there, it's like, you wouldn't believe it because everywhere you look, you're just like, I do not deserve to be here. It's the only thought going in your mind because everyone else is like from every movie you've ever seen, you know? It's like DiCaprio's there and yeah, everybody. And in front of us was Dave Grohl and behind us was Quincy Jones. And it was just like, what is going on? It was just so cool. And my wife offered um, Dave Grohl a bit of the hip flask because I think she was thinking at the time, like, you know, he was in Nirvana, like he'll he'll have a little swig. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's rock and roll. And he just looked at her like, what are you doing like get away from me you're at the oscars like behave yourself yeah and i was gonna say it's fucking so brilliant (laughs) dave Grohl of all people (laughs) what do you talk what do you like if i were you yeah i would just be so stressed about the fact that i could be sat like do you know your you obviously don't know your seating plan in advance so how do you prepare your like chat for like whatever random celebrity you might be sat next you might not know what film they're in you might not recognize them but that's cool i, I feel would, like it's yeah. cool to I don't, have a mental breakdown i don't think you can prepare i think you try and prepare you're gonna that's like come across like a creepster that's what Elle <laughs> would try and do wouldn't you you'd prepare all journalist, your number one questions i would i would have briefing notes. ellie would have yeah, had 100 a note card for each potential celebrity so she could be like okay uh, and dave girl <laughs> i can tell that from the interview Not like, yeah yeah brilliant but well, i think you'd smash it impressed. yeah you'd smash it you're ready to go We'd be- yeah, the thing thanks. is, like, our- so Ellie and I actually met working at GQ. That's how we became friends. And obviously, Men of the Year is like their big, glossy event. And it's always like really, really amazing. Like, not just say it because I work there, it is straight up like one of the best award shows ever um, at the Tate. But I don't know whether it's because we're working there, like, we're staff at GQ, but like, I would feel way too lame to like say anything to anyone that's like acknowledging who they are and fangirling, if you know what I mean. Because it's just that, it's a different, it's not like you're at like a film premiere or like something yeah. outside, like you're within the circle. So you don't want to like yeah. be and you know extra what? lame by fan, like by uh, even acknowledging what true. someone does. Like I'm like, oh, you're an actress, are you? Cool. But even more so like <laughs> just to, in, in real talk, basically the grammys is already a stupid level of event where you'd never thought you'd ever be invited to and it's to, like crazy levels of dreams yeah it's crazy levels it's like the champions league of music yeah and so you <laughs> you're there and you you actually do know people that are there and you've worked with people and you have relationships with people and so you feel like strangely more comfortable than like but a little bit like oh it's not like completely weird it's like i i know you I know like we've made music together and so when we went to the Oscars it was like I do not know why I'm here I've got no idea (laughs) like I do not know all I can see are the heroes that I watched growing up there's no one music is like the is like a is the joke of the Oscars you know it's like music is like (laughs) like 
there, it's like the little thing on the side that like it's an afterthought you know in the and, music oh oh yeah and oh no it's the music bit okay cool yeah they're gonna get up they wrote this song cool like actually there it's just like <laughs> it's it's all of your all of the the, the the stars of the silver screen so yeah that was just crazy crazy funny amazing night and now for another short break to tell you all about our second fabulous sponsor, Pop Sockets, which is our go-to brand for all things phone accessories, including their USP, the Pop Grip. For anyone that's been living under a rock or in fairness maybe doesn't watch quite as many celebrity Insta stories as Ellie and I do, Pop Grips are basically essential for everything from capturing that perfect selfie to texting it one hand. I personally love using mine to prop my phone up on the table when I'm on a train, or at least I was pre-pandemic, to watch a nice little bit of TV on the commute. I actually use mine in bed because sometimes we have those days where even sitting on the sofa it's too much effort and I need to be horizontal in bed with an episode of industry propped up on the bedside table which is actually what I did last night nice well you can get pop grips that perfectly match one of the phone cases from the pop sockets range some are also fully customizable and we've got some very very cute little straight up ones so would highly recommend that and also they have some adorable pop socket wallets too I recently bought the Pasheen Unicorn Cat Emoji one. Don't judge me, I love it. And finally, some excellent news is that PopSocket have got a 25% discount for you lovely Straight Up listeners. Simply enter Straight Up 25 at the checkout at www.popsockets.co.uk and go check them out on Instagram at popsocketsuk underscore. Thank you very much to PopSockets. I don't know if you've seen the news um, this week, but that the, the idea of like what songwriters are getting paid and what artists are getting paid is like big at the moment in terms of, you know, basically the middle bands at the moment because they're not touring, they're not performing, literally cannot live off the money that they're making from Spotify. It's something like you get 70 quid, which is daily minimum wage for 174,000 streams. That's impossible to live on as a if, if music is your only income. It's a disgrace. It has to be fixed. And I have, I just have a- Do we need to pay more? Do we need, is it like I, 10 pounds I, a month I, for Spotify? I think that, That's not much. I think they're working on that. You know, I, I don't know. I've got this blind faith and it's probably a little bit silly, but I just like, I've got this belief that like good will prevail. <laughs> I got this hope that like basically people in the in the the, the powerful positions because it's already being questioned by governments you know they're like okay cool this is how you set it up but let's just have a look at that let me just read the small print and figure this out you know and already there's a music modernization act which happened in america which has improved it quite considerably in very short space of time and they're fighting that but they're gonna lose you know and so that that kind of thing filters through and i feel like you know if you're an artist or a writer, you shouldn't spend your energy being consumed by these things because actually I did that for a while and it wasn't uh, positive for me. It was like, I need to just concentrate on writing the best songs I can write and and believing that they're good enough that I can get people to hear them and enjoy them, you know? And actually as soon as you- Yeah. I, and uh, But at the same time, like, having conversations like this and being a, a, a you know a, having a presence and and what you know standing up for what you believe in is as well you know there's a lot of demonization obviously in the music industry but is it like is the fault with spotify or is it actually with the labels like that's a very good question you know we're in a real we're in real hot water now with this conversation but i i i i tell you <laughs> it's it's both of them because what happened is they cut deals amongst themselves that cut out 
a lot of other people. That's the facts of what yeah. happened, you know. And there's yeah. no there's no way of trying to dress that up in any other way. They both did had a handshake and said, "Look, we're both going to really benefit from this situation, and there are other people that might not benefit as much." And 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 I can talk to anybody about that, and no one can basically say that isn't the case. We need to talk about the about Crown Stormzy, oh, like yeah. Crown, that was such, like, honestly, one of the records I'm most proud of. And it was such a pleasure to make. Like, I was such a fan of Stormzy and, like, learning in hindsight that he knew who I was. And, like, he tells stories about, like, following me on Twitter and then unfollowing and refollowing. Just, like, when he was trying to come up and get, like, a tent. It's just like. Oh, my God, they're so cute. Yeah, I'm just like, why? Like, I've done that before. What, you were just, yeah. like, obliviously there, like, not even noticing. Yeah, like, kid, yeah like. exactly. What a, what a switch up. But we wrote, we, we wrote that song with MJ Cole, um, who is one of my heroes. Like, I grew up listening to Garage in London, and he was the he's the founder the founding father as far as i'm concerned um and yeah we got to work all together the three of us and you know that making that record stormzy had he he always has a very strong concept of what he's trying to say that's so much about his art is is you know having such a, a strong voice and a clear direction that he wants to go in and I remember it all very clearly, you know. We had some expensive chords, those the the crown chords and and Stormzy was just like, "Look, I want to talk about feeling the pressure. I want to talk about feeling like a voice of the people and I, and that I, there's a lot that goes with it and you know, we're talking about heavy is the head that wears the crown, which is obviously like a sh Shakespeare um moment and basic we we, we we it fits so perfectly for the emotions that he's talking about and we we wrote this song and uh it felt really special it felt really special and so did he come up with the album title kind of with you whilst he was writing I, that song he he came in with the idea he was like i feel like there's this weight on my shoulders and i'm i'm feel like i'm being pushed into being the voice of black youth and all of these like amazing terms i'm just like wow mm. and he um he 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 just which is very fair enough he yeah, yeah. and and it, it's like he was he was privileged to be in that position but he's at the same time it's like not feeling ungrateful but feeling also like there's a certain weight and pressure that comes with that responsibility and it just really like resonated in terms of exactly where Stormzy was and is as an artist and what he wanted to say and we managed to express that in a in a in a record which is such a cool thing to get to do so, so you were writing rather than producing at this on this record uh i actually wrote and produced crown with with mj colt yeah so like basically it was, it was yeah sometimes i've i've i do a bit of both which is is a really fun thing um but yeah matt does what he does best which is like play beautiful chords and make these sparse arrangements with strings and like all the music that i grew up listening to and just like i got a side story with mj cole which is that i just like i literally 
was obsessed with him like bought all of his records just like that's what made me want to get into music myself was like his records and so when we became friends it was one of those weird things and still to this day like we'll be in the pub and have like if i have more than one drink i'm always like you don't understand like i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and and he's like he's he just he's very much just like like uh like doesn't know what to say and it makes it super awkward and then the next day i'm always like oh no i've done it again i can't believe it oh god i know I don't, i'm that guy i know and i hope you're cringing for me the drunk loving i know no, i'm yeah. that girl but the, the, but the love is real you know kathleen and i have had a few of those moments yeah yeah it's just that that real that real that real just expression of you don't understand anyway this crown stormzy yeah. was a magic moment and it was so cool to be able to write something all together and it it ended up in a magical moment with Stormzy headlining Glastonbury on the pyramid stage go back to Glastonbury and to be in oh the crowd and with MJ Cole and we're watching it together were you in the audience or were you on the I side of the stage I was in the audience I was like right like that's where you want to be yeah, yeah. I was in the thick of it and like <sighs> Amazing. Stormzy, yeah, he just. It was, so sorry, I was crying. I was so. You were texting me like, I'm actually crying. The, the whole performance yeah, was I just. Cried. It was. It was history. That was history. It was incredible. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. it. Was it was just. It, it was an insane thing. Do you know that? Also, the fact that um his um mic didn't work and he sorry his um in ear didn't right. work and the fact that he was just. He just, You'd he never just, know, would you? Yeah, I still rapid. probably I don't no. I don't think I ever appreciated that. He just put on the great. He was like he couldn't hear anything. Devo, and he thought he'd like ruin the performance. No. He, like, yeah, he's everything. Like, he's literally iconic. Everything from the Banksy vest and just the whole. Oh, it was just so like weird. a moment. But you know what? It was very funny because the morning of the show, we checked into a hotel near Bath, and um, I bumped into a friend of mine. He's like, Jimmy, you're here. I was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're good, we're about. To you were at Babington House, weren't you? No, nah, it wasn't. Nice try though. Close. No, I'm, not, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you in case you could take my reservation. But basically, um, he, oh goes, God, he goes. He goes. He goes. Storms. He's here. You gotta come see him. I was like, I don't want to see him. He's performing tonight. Yeah, just like he must be in the zone. Yeah, they're like, no, no, no. He'll want to see you. Like you have to come. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, okay cool like, I was about to like get ready to go to the th go to the site and he was like no 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 come so he, he walks me up to the hotel and he's like banging on the door and I'm just like don't, what like I don't like why why are you doing this like I he doesn't want this I'm trying to be cool here. yeah no, no I'm not even trying to be cool I'm just trying to respect somebody's <laughs> space they've got a big performance yeah. I don't need to be like okay. oh nervous. you know bruv in their face yeah I'm not that guy I'm just like yeah. this it's embarrassing break a leg yeah yeah <laughs> remember <laughs> me we were no that like long so basically I hope you form that and it goes really well yeah 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 like best of luck old chap no ba I, I, I didn't want to do all that but he made me go up there and, and 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 my wife came with me and she was like mortified as well she was just like what's happening <laughs> and then storm storms opened the door and he's in his boxer shorts yeah and he's a big guy and he's just like jimmy like that yeah and like gave me a massive hug and um it was like my wife was just like she didn't she was just a bit like 
I don't know what to do. I don't know where to look. I don't know what's going on, yeah? <laughs> it was just one to be fair, a Stormzy in his boxes, like, I wouldn't really know where to look we, either. It would be quite... Yeah, we had this, we, had, it, it, we just had the biggest laugh, like, after talking about that. It was just fun. It was hilarious. And then to see... So, Wait, so did he know you were coming no, then? No, not at all. I just, like, like our mate, who's his, like, A&R and good friend, just met, like dragged me up there and like banged the door down and he's just he couldn't have been more cool you'd never have known that guy had a, a headline slot he's like just chilling out watching a show or whatever like like anyone's lazy sunday you know and he's just like <laughs> yeah it was sick it was so sick oh i love that how did you guys celebrate uh afterwards you know what yeah, I mean, Glastonbury's the whole thing's a celebration, isn't it? It's like, it's more, yeah, where 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 the trail leads you, but... The... Do you not remember? No, I don't, no, not really, to be honest. <laughs> Shangri-La <laughs> somewhere. Probably Park Stage, Probably Park Stage bar, Park Stage. <laughs> to be fair, me neither, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh okay, so another amazing rapper that you work with is Dave. Now, this took a bit of digging because I can't actually find where your credit is online, but you have posted on Instagram about it. So, Sick. Well, that's so, good. I'm, so you, I'm, work... I'm glad I'm credited properly. <laughs> no, <joking. laughs> um, Dave, you worked on Leslie. Dave's the guy, man. <laughs> Dave, Dave, um, he's just an incredible talent. Everyone knows that. Like he's just, he's like one of a kind, amazing artist. And the one credit, like we've worked together a few times, and I'm, I'm such a big fan of his. And he's the fact that he plays piano the way he does and also his skills for storytelling i think are second to none as far as i'm concerned the way he can paint a picture is it's deeper and more um evolved than anybody else i've ever worked with the the the, the amount he's so smart the amount of thought he puts it? well kath that's one of your favorite songs leslie i remember you telling frozy t smith yeah well i did so leslie basically we wrote this is how cool dave is yeah and i like how naive i am but we write, we're writing together <laughs> and we've got an idea and i'm writing this song and it's like it feels really cool and and he's pouring out all these ideas and he's like yeah you know he says to me at the end of the day he's like you know what this is this could go really well like as a part of this chapter of a song that i've writing that it's like at end of a song and there's like different parts of the story and there's it's about and i was just like i didn't know what he's talking about i'll be honest i was like this is i love the song we've written but and i was fully committed to that moment and then he is seeing it as a small piece of a much bigger picture which was so cool to me you know he's just like an 11 minute song yeah he's like oh it's just this title man. yeah he's like oh cool no i'm gonna use this and put it at nine minutes 37 of the longest <laughs> song of all time and like i just love that it's the coolest thing ever it's just like okay it's cool. So cool you know any most people it's a three minute song for dave it's like that at, there's a moment at the end of this full story which is unbelievable to listen to and hear it and i only heard the full thing when the record came out you know i wasn't i didn't i didn't hear the the, the first whole part or what he was thinking so i didn't understand that 
how it was going to work. How it was going to work, you know. So for listeners, for listeners who may not know that the the song is about an abusive relationship, right? And and it's coming from Dave's own personal experiences of some of his relatives. So what part of what is what is the bit that you wrote? So I wrote the very very end. There's a chorus. There's a moment where there's just a little bit of music and a little bit of melody and a little bit. And Dave told me he was writing a story about this, and I knew what the story was about. And we wrote a song about that, but I didn't understand that this little piece that I contributed to was the very, very end chapter of this bigger piece of music. And it was, it was so cool, you know, it's just like a, a, a privilege to be, to play the, t- the tiniest part in it. And we, uh, we've kept you for ages. You are just quite an interesting guy. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna come to the end, but I wanna know like, what is the most like difficult part of your job? Like, is it something like writer's block maybe, which I don't know if you struggle with, but I'm sure a lot of uh, songwriters do. What, or is it something else like what keeps you up at night uh it's never music you know like if, I, if something keeps me up at night it's like it's it's more like real life stuff practical things you know getting the kids to school like on time whatever it is it's never music music is my escape music is my most tre- my most treasured joy and i um so you don't get writer's block? No, nah, I don't know. I don't do it. No way. Oh, lucky. Yeah, it's not to say that what I write is good, but I just always enjoy myself. <laughs> so yeah. I... What about when you get rejected? When you get rejected from an artist or like if you just don't hear back, you send a song out. Oh, it happens all the time. You have again. thick skin, right? It's like, how privileged are you to get to do this job in the first place? Like write another, write another one that's better, you know? Let the music do the talking. Yeah. Write the song that people can't ignore. Write the song that people can't deny. You know, if if you're feeling, feel like you're hitting walls or people are like, just to keep crafting until you get to something where people are just like, that's undeniable. That's like something that's magic. Is there an artist that you're waiting to hear back from or an artist that you would absolutely love to sing one of your songs? Adele, your Adele. Dream? Hundred percent. The dream. Yeah. Without a sh- Have you sent her something? No, I've had meetings with her team and stuff, and it's been. I've been like so close, and then for whatever reason, <gasps> it's never quite happened. Like they probably. Yeah, so far. They probably heard the song was like, you know what? <laughs> but um, yeah, he <laughs> like she she's she's um she's she's the real deal, isn't she? She's incredible. Be- yeah. Beyonce. I Still would bet for that album. They must have taken at least 500 song submissions for her next 12 track album. She, like at least. She writes too. It's not a case of just singing songs, you know, it's like more just being able to get in the room and, and have a go. But yeah, I mean, just uh, such a- You got this. Such a, who knows, maybe one day. Yeah, that will Put happen in, for sure. Yeah. 100%, 100% that's gonna happen. That'll be like next exactly, year. 100%. Exactly, exactly. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that, of, of um, speaking out what your hopes and dreams are and letting them come to fruition. I think that's a real thing. You're speaking into existence, Pat. Person. yeah that's me that's mm. me love that because you know Caffeine's that's like a fan of that i'm a big fan of that because that's been one of my big lessons in interviewing artists specifically over the last three and a half years is like all successful musicians believe in that it's true everyone that is successful believes in speaking things into existence so i'm like hold on i've got to Cause, stop because ain't this. no one else believing it at the beginning if you're if you're not believing Very it true. yourself you know you are you're in for a long lonely time you gotta believe it yourself and then everybody else hopefully fingers crossed well, Jimmy, that is a very, very inspiring note to end on. And why don't you just finish off by telling us what is next for you? Ne- what are you working well, on? Well, you know what I'm most excited about right now is that I'm building a studio 
um, in Camden, which is my hometown, and it's almost finished. And it's going to be a really, really special base for hopefully lots of more music to come out of and to bring new talent and uh, new writers and artists and people to come and, and make more music. Awesome. I'm into that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. Jimmy, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, guys. That was really sweet. Such a fun interview. Yeah.